Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Grid is for Squares. I'm Vince. I'm Amy. This is a podcast where we smoke a bowl and talk about an off-grid property in California. That we're building. That we're building. Uh-huh. And what are we smoking today? This is Grandi Guava. It's Grandi. a hybrid we picked up yesterday. Grandi. Grande? It's with an I. An I. Like Grand a, I. Guava. Like, like Grande Gandhi? Like Brandy, you're a fine girl. <laughs> um, so right now we are sort of entering into an exciting but also super busy time. Yeah, spring has sprung. Yeah. Shit always happens in spring. It's true. Yeah, we're 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 blooming. Yeah, you're blooming. <laughs> you got some big news, huh? Uh, yeah, I got a job, so that's cool. Cool. Um. Hopefully, you know, nothing's a sure thing until it's a sure thing, but you get paid or it seems whatever. to be pretty sure. And it's in podcasting, which is exciting. Um, yeah, you seem like a, a real shoe-in for the job. It's all your wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm Congrats. also, thank you. I'm also starting on production for a new scripted podcast this week. So that's going to take a lot of time and and energy, which is good. It's what I want to do. I love it. But it's just going to be a very big project. And shit's happening in your world, too. Uh, my brother Maury's coming out. Uh, he's going to leave Chicago in a few days mm-hmm. and take his sweet time getting out here. He bought a Ranger from his boss, like a Ford Ranger. So, yeah, he's going to drive out here. Sounds like a dream. And then we're going to just, like, fuck off and hang out on the property for however long we feel like. He doesn't have... He's planning on leaving the truck out here. Um, and flying back at some point, but he doesn't have a plane ticket yet. <laughs> so we're just going to freewheel it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you're thinking you are going to be up on the property for like the better part of a month, potentially longer in at one time than you've been yet. Most of April. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be working hard here by myself and you and Maury and your mom will be living Yep, <laughs> living up on living the, prop. the property yeah. i might take a little break in the middle of the month come mm-hmm. down here take a shower, shower <laughs> get head on back um you're gonna keep this little dog probably okay. yeah gotta gotta have somebody to keep me company yeah, here be all alone yeah so all of this means that you know not only do we not have any major new updates right now from the last episode that we posted But we also kind of don't have the time to go really in depth on something like we have in the past. You know, we did about yurts or about water and fire. Um, So we thought we'd do something a little different and fun today. Um, We thought we would replay our very first episode. We're on episode 31 now. So we've had 30 episodes to sort of develop this, both this property and this podcast. So we thought we might just pop back in time to our very first episode and see how far we've come. This will be my first time listening to it. Yeah, you've listened to, what, two episodes total few, or something? Two or three of the most recent ones. They're really good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, when was this one posted? Uh, January 10th, 2020. Oh, wow. Those Pre-pandemic. Were old times. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to listen to it, too, along with you. Um, and at the end, we'll respond to it. I bet it'll be adorable. And a little embarrassing. And a little embarrassing. <laughs> but I guess we'll see. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Yeah. Hi, everyone. 
I'm Amy. And I'm Vince. And you're listening to The Grid is for Squares, a podcast where we spark up a bowl and talk about building a sustainable off-the-grid property. It's something we've been planning for a while, and whenever we talk about it, people seem really interested, so I thought maybe it would be worth doing a podcast about it. Today we are smoking sour diesel, and since this is the very first episode, I figured we should fill you in on exactly who we are, what we want, and why we want it. Then in future episodes, we can catch you up on where we're actually at, the progress we've made, all of that good stuff. So first off, we are in our early 30s. We're married. Uh, We just had our five-year anniversary a few weeks ago, which is super weird, and time goes crazy fast. (laughs) And we live in Los Angeles. Well, we're from the Midwest originally. I grew up in the small town of Blue Mounds, Wisconsin. It's close to Madison. And Amy's from a suburb of Minneapolis. We met in the uh, magical little college town of Madison, Wisconsin, despite neither of us actually going to college there. Um, I'm a writer. I wanted to write for TV. Um, I got an MFA in playwriting and screenwriting from Northwestern University. So after I graduated, we moved from Chicago to L.A. We've always felt a little too weird for the Midwest. So moving to California was a natural move. We love it here. So five years ago, we moved to California, and somewhere along the way, this guy started getting this idea about building his own property that's sustainable and off the grid. Just solar panels, rainwater, gray water, etc. I kind of got sick of living in a tiny box and paying rent and having all of these skills that are pretty much just hobbies like gardening and um, plumbing and Plumbing, it's a great hobby. It's not a great Great hobby. hobby. Oh, I wondered what it would be like if we could maybe live off-grid and start applying some of these skills for ourselves to our own lives. Um, I always thought it was a cool idea, but to be totally honest, it was the election that really flipped the switch in me. To be like, no, let's, (laughs) let's stop talking about it. Let's find a way to really actually make this happen. So since then, since 2017... We've been actively working on making it happen. Um, So Vince, why don't you talk a little bit about your vision for the property, uh, why you want the things that you want, your experience and training and skills and that sort of thing. Sure. Uh, My ideal is like a 10 to 40 acre property with the objective of not really seeing people anymore Um, and having enough room to farm, but also having enough room for nature. Um, So some of my parameters in an ideal world is to have a seasonal stream running through it, um, to have uh, rolling terrain, uh, to be federal land adjacent, public land adjacent, so there's a reasonable assurance that it's not going to get developed on all sides. Well, and you've always been like a a nature lover, a naturalist, right? And so you, you've always felt like, it seems like on a, a personal level, like responsible and guilty for the gas that we use when we drive our cars, for the electricity that we use, for the water in LA. Like mm-hmm. the water in Los Angeles has like a long and sordid history of being exploitative and, you know, causing suffering and all, all of these terrible things. And so you've always sort of, I think as long as I've known you, wanted to be able to do something about how you contribute to, I mean, all of the issues that we're facing now with climate change and 
industrialization and all of that shit. So I've also kind of always uh, been suspicious of authority and mm, yeah. of infrastructure. Damn the man. And I think we put way too much faith in the world as it is and we don't see that as the source of a lot of these problems like we we blame the gas company or the oil companies for um carbon pollution but really it's us and our individual choices and when you think about water as amy alluded to we basically have uh, all of the hydroelectric power plants in the west powering a reverse hydroelectric power plant that brings water into la and it's really easy for people in LA to water their sidewalks when it's hot and not think about the desert that they're creating somewhere else. So kind of what I'm, the ethos I'm getting around to is to keep it local. And since we've moved to LA or bigger and bigger cities, I see it more and more that we come up with these big city solutions that pretty much just push the problem further out, whether it's further out to sea or to some other state, so much of the infrastructure- Or a third world country. Or a third world country. So much of the infrastructure of LA is dependent on sapping the rest of the West dry. And so when I really started to think about that and the environmental guilt, the personal guilt, what it takes to live in a world like this, where they teach us to be complicit, where they give us a red herring like recycling and say, okay, this is your contribution. We don't even need to get into how ineffective recycling is, but <laughs> you know, while we're we're using fresh water from 400 miles away to rinse out our recycling and to flush our waste down the toilet, and there's just so much that that doesn't make sense, especially in the world of of LA where we live in a desert. Yeah. So speaking of water, um, your current job <clears throat> is working in gray water. I work in gray water, which is a surprisingly small industry given the pressing nature of climate change and water scarcity uh, it's lightly used water um, from washing machines showers tubs some sinks that can be reused in your landscape so yeah you have plumbing experience because of that job and other previous jobs in chicago you have mm -hmm. some electrical experience, experience gardening experience basically you're just like really good at doing things in three dimensions <laughs> Um, sure. I feel like I'm good with time and you're good with space. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. So You're I'm... good with concepts and I'm good with <laughs> hard, hard things. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm also good. What I mean by I'm good with time is I'm good with like planning, basically. Like I've worked as an event planner. I've worked as a like producer for theater shows and things like that. For TV shows, I've been like a production coordinator and stuff. Um, so I feel like one of the things that I'm good at is looking at a huge problem or looking at a huge project and like breaking it down into manageable steps to make sure that you actually get to the end. Because I feel like something as big as this, like buying and building an off-the-grid property, it sounds great, but it, it involves so many tiny steps that it feels insurmountable um, and could amount to just a, a pipe dream. So I think one of the things I'm trying to bring to the table, since you bring all of the like actual experience with the construction and the electrical and the plumbing and all that stuff, I'm hoping that what I'm con helping contribute at least is uh, that sort of sense of momentum and planning and okay, let, let's figure out what the next step we need to do is. How do we make that happen? Oh, there's a half step that needs to happen before that? Okay, what's that? How do we do that? We need a project manager. Yeah, exactly. I'm the project, project manager. manager. Yeah, exactly. Which makes me feel like I'm productively helping uh, mm -hmm. when there's a lot of things that I don't know. I don't know how a lot of those things work. And 
I want to be a part of the process, but I also want to like be true to who I am and my skills and my talents and you know all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to strike that same balance where um, you know, it's good to not even know what is possible. It's good to just dream and then talk to somebody else who can help you make that dream a reality. But I often need Amy to pull me back from the edge too, that there's the ideal, there's, you know, a completely solar powered, 100% sustainable, but then there's the reality of, of what people are actually doing with land like that. So as we've been looking, it's been sort of enlightening to see what is possible because people are already doing it and how we can improve upon that. Right. Right. Because I mean, if the question is, if you can't do it 100% of the way you want to do it, does that mean that it's better to do it 0%? You know, like, you, but you also don't want to compromise your values either. And so it's right. a matter of what percentage is percentage enough for you to feel like it's still worth doing. Because if you're, if 100% is living up to your values, not doing it at all, 0%, is not at all living up to your value. Yeah. You know? So there, there's got to be a way to make it happen that still is true to who you are and what you want. So in addition to all that, the like project manager shit, and I, oh, and also like all of Vince's ethos about, you know, personal responsibility and living your values and not contributing to the problem, all of that I'm totally down with. Um, but I also have some specific other stuff that I want out of it. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a writer and I also co-run a theater company called Trap Street. Theater company isn't like really the right word. Uh, we do a lot of weird stuff like immersive plays and breweries and radio drama podcasts and short films and other stuff. Um, and we also do artist retreats. So I'd love to have my own place where I can host retreats somewhere in the mountains where we can have one large communal space plus some guest cabins or yurts or whatever, uh, I can do programming and classes and guided writing exercises or meditation and cook communal meals for people, uh, have them be inspired by the magical nature surroundings and, you know, all that kind of thing. And it doesn't only have to be artist retreats. Vince could run seminars on how to set up solar panels or a greenhouse or any of the stuff that they can see firsthand on the property when they come to visit for the retreat. And if we have all that set up already, we might as well open it up to maybe airbnb when we're not running a retreat just to make some money. One of the concerns, of course, about living in the middle of nowhere is how to make money. It's the question that my parents keep asking. Um, and I mean, you know, fuck capitalism, obviously. Super fuck capitalism. But at the end of the day, we'll have to pay a mortgage if we want to hold on to the property, and we'll have to buy materials if we want to build anything on the property. So yeah, maybe an Airbnb would be a way to help do that. I also like have a dream of maybe setting up a recording studio eventually in our space uh, to take advantage of being in like a really quiet, secluded place. I know all of that sounds really ambitious and I'm not expecting to have it in its final form anytime in the next 10 years, but I also want to dream big, you know? Like I've always felt that there's no reason not to dream big. This is, you know, the one life we get, so let's do something awesome. And also, if slash when the shit really does hit the fan, it feels like a really solid idea to have a sustainable off-the-grid property. So, let's drill down and get even more specific. What exactly are we looking for? We've been checking out properties on Zillow. Uh, my favorite thing to do lying in bed before I go to sleep is to just open up my Zillow app and like look at different properties. 
Um, and we've also been driving up to actually check out some in person for about two years now. Uh, so why don't you tell the, the good people about our parameters? Sure. Uh, we are looking for um, ideally public land adjacent. We're looking sort of in the um, Sierra Nevada foothills um, near Sequoia National Forest is kind of the, the epicenter of where we want to be. Um, with rolling topography, generally south facing if it's a hillside is best for, for gardening. Our range, price range is um, up to $100,000. We're thinking about increasing that. And we've, we've been pretty successful. Well, okay. So we find all these properties for like forty to sixty thousand dollars, right? Like ten to forty acres for forty to sixty thousand dollars, which sounds amazing, right? Um, but what we've noticed is that the reason that they're so cheap is that there's always a catch. It's always a different catch. Like maybe it doesn't have an accessible road, or maybe it's underwater half the year, or maybe uh, the we visited one where it was like a such a bumpy dirt road for like, what was it, like two miles or yeah. something that we had to like literally lay down boards over the like ruts to drive our car over it. So that's not super conducive <laughs> to pick a axe. retreat. Yeah. He took, every time we got to a big hole, he would stop the car, get the pickaxe out of the car, fill it in with rock and dirt, and then we would drive. And, oh my God, it took so long. It was totally untenable. Um, so yeah. We also drive a Toyota Yaris, which God bless her. She's got <laughs> she's pretty good, good clearance baby. for a four-door hatch or two-door hatchback. Yeah. Um, but, but we 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 do plan on getting a, you know a pickup truck or some kind of larger vehicle. Mm -hmm. But if we want it to be a retreat center, if we want it to be an Airbnb, like ideally people need to be able to drive there. It's not very tenable to have a place for people to visit and then have everybody need a four-wheel drive, you know, or we have to pick everybody up. It sounds like a pain in the ass. So we need to strike a delicate balance between seclusion and access. Right. Where I certainly don't want to be living on any of the major state highways of California, which are only going to get busier. But at the same time, they're busy because people are going to see Yosemite um, or any of the national forests. And so we want to be proximal to that. So it's appealing for people to stay at our property on their way to Yosemite. The other thing that we're doing is going in on this with Vince's mom, Judy. Judy's planning on living with us on the property once we have it. And she's going to help us with like monthly mortgage payments, hopefully help with, you know, helping buy materials and that sort of thing. And she's no slouch. She's going to be doing a lot of the physical labor yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's where Vince gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's always been a Cali girl going way back. Um, one of nine children and she's sort of, very different and free-spirited and that's born a on a farm in wisconsin yeah. and that's obviously where where i get it from um my dad too very free-spirited but she finally made the move about 10 years ago now we helped her move out to california and so she's been exploring um for the better part of a decade and started out kind of up north but in a very dry place and then found this place outside of napa which has set a really high bar for us it is just gorgeous I know Napa is legendary all over the world for its wine, but it's also a really beautiful place to live. Um, yeah, it's not really like when you say she lives in Napa, it makes it sound like she lives on a vineyard or something, but it's really not like that at all. It's like, it's up in the mountains, there's redwoods, there's no other people around. I mean, there are some vineyards as you drive up the mountain, but it's more of like a Northwoodsy feel than a Italy feel, you know? Right. But the downside is that she's renting because... Who, besides the 
the landed gentry can afford to buy anything, right? Um, so sure, she lives in this beautiful place um, with this gorgeous view and the mountains and everything, but it's, you know, it's a two-bedroom little house that she's renting and has to pay her asshole landlord like a shitload of money every month and can't make her own improvements and can't grow her own food and only has her backyard, not an acre or anything like, you know, so... On the one hand, it's idyllic when we come up here, but on the other hand, it's just a reminder of, like, how many things it doesn't have and how many things we want to do and want to have for ourselves. So you might ask, interesting, so you plan on living with your mother-in-law and farming with your mother-in-law for the rest of your life, huh? That's an interesting choice. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, the first thing I would say is I love Judy. She's super cool. She's super chill. She's awesome. If I was going to live with anybody, it would be her. It is hard to imagine living with anybody besides Vince. But at the same time, it's like it's also hard to imagine throwing away my money on rent for the rest of my life. It's also hard to imagine living in a one-bedroom apartment and not having any space for my, like, projects for the rest of my You know, there's... It's also a little weird to think about spending most of your life, you know, working for yourself and not seeing your family... So on the other hand, you know, long term, maybe we want to be close to our family. Yeah. Um, anything else that you wanted to talk about in this first episode about like who we are, what we want? We'll talk in future episodes about like our searching process, site visits. There's one place that we visited a few days ago that's like a real strong contender for the first time and we're really excited and have a lot to say about it. But for this first episode, I just wanted to focus on like the big stuff. Um, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, Many of us, especially in the Midwest, come from a lineage of farmers and of people who worked the land very hard. And they were poor, but the world was smaller, and they owned the land that they worked. And so we have generations, or speaking for myself, I have generations and generations of farmers who spent their whole lives busting ass so that I could get an education and I could get a better job, but I think more and more people in our generation are seeing how these things are distractions and how when you have to work to pay somebody else to manage your money, to raise your kids and to buy and prepare food for you. Yeah, we're so alienated from our labor and from our lives. You're really just missing out on your life. And so when you think, yeah, you're going to you're going to work hard so your kid can have a better life, but you're not going to see them the entire time they grow up. So that's sort of part and parcel with this idea of, yeah, we could I could continue to do these really high-end plumbing jobs, you know, for a nebulous financial goal. Or I could be doing these things for myself and feeling the inherent reward of knowing that the food I'm eating is something I grew myself. I know the whole legacy of where it came from, what chemicals, fertilizers were used to grow out where the water came from. So that's something I really value, and I know that my mom does too. Being in that middle generation of someone who did grow up on the farm but was was given that notion of, of a dream and higher education throughout her life as well. And I think we've both kind of swung back on the pendulum now where we have straight jobs, we make our money in the city, but what we really enjoy doing is being outside in the fresh air and getting our hands dirty and, and just learning how things work. I admit I'm not as much of the getting my hands dirty type of person. Um, 
I love the outdoors. I love good views. I love the fresh air. I love not seeing people. <laughs> the quiet. I love all of that. Um, but I'm not as much about the hard labor <laughs> personally. Um, so obviously there's some points where I'm going to have to just like suck it up and do the hard labor anyway. Um, but then also hopefully there are points where like I can contribute in other ways and you know, that we'll all feel that we together, our talents have built something that is special and perfect for us. And I think that the notion of customization is really important to me too. I've always, both of us have always really enjoyed like, instead of buying something from the store, we would rather make something because then it can be according to exactly what we want. Like Vince has made a lot of our own furniture because like, okay, we know we need a bookshelf to fit in this space. So I don't want to go to Target and buy, like, I love Target, but I don't want to go to Target and buy something, like hope that they have the right thing. Just build it, asshole. Just, Just build, build what it you need. Just build the exact size you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. I make a lot of my own clothes because then I know it'll fit me exactly. It'll be exactly my style. I'll get to be creative and like, I just, we both want to be able to use our imaginations to create something that is exactly what we want, exactly perfect for us, and then make it happen. Just like bring that picture from our minds into a three-dimensional reality. Because I think that process, as an artist, as a craftsperson, I mean, that's what life is for me, is like mm -hmm. imagining something and then making it real. And this is by far the <laughs> the biggest, most ambitious version of we want something, let's make it happen. And as an artist and seamstress and cook, uh, those are really good talents to bring to the table. And I think that gives you a pass on the hard physical <laughs> yeah. labor. There's also this kind of... Well, darn your socks, baby. <laughs> I can also see this kind of spread between the people who come to the property for certain kinds of retreat. There are the indoor kids who sure are going to come up there and, as strange as it sounds, pay for the privilege of having their cell phone taken away. Mm -hmm to just unplug from the internet and sit outside and, you know, escape into their minds. And I think that's great. There's also this subset of people um, who will pay money to bust ass and also give us their phones and give us free labor. And I'm not just making this up. A lot of our friends, when we talk about the property, say they just want a free vacation. They want to come out and they'll work for us and help us build it if it means they get to be in California and help us make this dream because I know a lot of people feel the same as us and it's a very daunting process. They don't know where to begin. And I guess Amy and I are just lucky enough to have both sides of the picture in equal measure that, that we feel we can handle it. We can do the hard goods. We can do the soft goods. We have the skills, you know, the domestic and the extracurricular <laughs> skills to make it happen. Early mid thirties is sort of that time. I feel like when you need to start making real decisions about like, what is your life going to be? Like, what is the rest of your life going to be? You can always reinvent yourself. There's always time, but like, I don't know. I feel like now is the right time to make a big leap and to start designing the future that we want for ourselves. I can't go into my forties uh, throwing away any potential for equity. I, I've worked too hard and I have too many talents to not put down roots. And that's okay when you're in your early 20s to just, you know, throw money away every every month on rent and to move every few years. But it's gotten harder and harder for me to live in a place for only a year at a time. And, and when I leave, leave no trace. 
and you know, not really improve my own lot at the same time. Right. So this is becoming a lot more critical for me to have something that I can build on year after year. Right. And your mom is going to retire eventually and she wants somewhere to be. And I think, I think in a perfect world, it'll be great for everyone. It's just yeah. going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. I think to get there. Yeah. Life is hard work and luck. And yeah. This is the way I want to go about it. We'll see if it works for everyone else. Yeah. And I mean, I love an ambitious project. I fucking love getting into something and being way over my head and struggling to figure out how I'm going to make it work. That that's my jam. So, I'm not I'm not really scared. I'm mostly excited. Um, Me too. So yeah. I think that'll do for a first episode. I think so. I think so. Let everybody know who we are and what we're doing. In future episodes, we'll talk more about our searching process, what we've been doing, um, how we, you know, talking to real estate agents, looking on Zillow, all that stuff. Um, this place we visited a few days ago that we're super excited about. Maybe it's the one. Maybe it's not. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, we'll follow up again with another episode soon and we'll give you some more info. Thanks for listening. Happy hunting, and watch out for poison oak. <laughs> that was a trip, huh? Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I was fearing. We didn't even have the land yet? No, we didn't even have the land yet. We posted it in January of 2020, but we recorded several episodes over the course of 2019 so that we had a few, you know, in the can before we launched. Yeah. So I think that was actually recorded in like September or something. Oh, okay. Of 2019, right before we ended up buying our, our land. Wow. Yeah, it's been quite a journey since then. At the beginning, we kind of talked about our parameters and... Yeah, I was hoping it would be more about like our specific parameters and, and what we thought it would be. It was a lot of just what we feel and believe, which is great. And I'm yeah. happy to repost that because... That's what underlies everything that we do. Mm -hmm. But a couple things we hit. We did though. have a we few did, specifics that we, we wanted mentioned, ten yeah. to forty acres. We ended uh -huh. up with ten acres. Yep. We didn't quite get our seasonal stream, but we have two ponds now. <laughs> uh, our little catchment basin. Uh -huh. um, we wanted BLM adjacent um, or public land adjacent. Right, but what you said was public land adjacent, so that it's like not accessible and it can't get developed and there's a gorge on the back half of our property that like isn't developable developable yeah um I so i know it's not the same thing as yeah. blm land mm -hmm. but it is sort of a built-in boundary yeah which is nice and honestly like worst case scenario the area gets really developed in a couple of years I mean, the town of Mariposa is taken off a little bit. A little bit. A um, little bit booming. And, like, we sell the property for three times what we bought it for and buy some land in, like, Alaska or Montana or somewhere else in Wherever California. Wherever climate that... change takes us. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think it'll be okay no matter what. Well, yeah, and I think we got a really lovely property, and we should kind of just enjoy what we have. You talked a lot about, you know, what you wanted was a yurt and a communal space uh -huh. in the mountains uh -huh. and like an artist retreat. And, yeah. Um, I mean, we're still a long way from that, but it's still the dream. But we're making inroads. Yeah. 
I did mention year. I did mention year as far back as what, like September of 2019, before we had the property. We talked about this the other day. We were trying to remember when the idea for a year first came up. I guess it was before we even bought the land. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you also mentioned like rolling topography, which we a hundred percent have. A lot of boulders. That's clutch. And the thing about south or north facing doesn't matter because it's so rolling that you can get, you get any direction anywhere, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. wherever you want. Um, are you into hard labor a little more now? I certainly have done more hard labor than 2019 Amy thinks that she was going to do. Rad. I have done so much digging. I have done so much screwing and, uh, yes, sure <laughs> um, impact driving. <laughs> so, yes, I was wrong about that. I definitely am. I mean, because it has to be done, you know. You want to talk measurable progress, dig a hole. Every shovel full, you get one shovel full closer to your goal. Yeah. You got to keep growing in life. Mm-hmm. Learning new things. Doing new things. Um, what else? Yeah. Was there was there anything else that you wanted to mention about the episode one? Well, it's funny. Right at the end, you say, watch out for poison oak. We did not watch out enough for poison oak. That's no. for sure. I get it a little bit every time I go. You try to be careful, but it's out there. It's funny. What's our next steps up at the property? What's going on next? We got the yurt ordered. Yep, yurt is ordered. Um, So that'll be another, I don't know, six weeks or something. All right. We got to do the finished flooring. Yeah, got to build a floor. Having some design issues because like bamboo is not strictly recommended for an un- controlled environment yeah like not climate controlled yeah but i think we're gonna chance it right because it's cheap yeah cool well i just don't think we can necessarily afford right now to double our flooring costs Mm -hmm. so even though when vince called the company to ask some questions um they recommended the customer service rep recommended not using this particular kind of bamboo flooring for an outdoor space or bamboo generally expands and contracts a lot it's not really outdoors though it's kind of climate controlled so yeah i think we might you know we'll be smart about vapor sealing and having Mm -hmm. a leaving enough space for it to expand a bit you know probably gonna leave the whole thing floating too instead of gluing it down Mm. i've been reading into like do you glue it down do you glue it to the subfloor do you glue it to the the underlayment right um and i might not because it is going to expand a lot right so but that'll that'll be a whole project that we'll have a whole episode talking about freaking yurt flooring. Yeah, so. soon we will have a yurt. Yes. And that was one of our original goals. Yeah. I don't think we predicted the catchment basin being a priority early on, but it was pretty important to my mom and me to yeah. be catching some rainwater. So we sort of blocked up the culvert. You helped with that project too. You moved a lot of dirt that Yeah, day. the first round. Then the last time we were up there a couple of weeks ago, you had to do a lot of re-digging because yeah. it was a little too shallow or too steep and it washed away. Yeah, I think we talked a, a about bit. it a little yep. bit that it washed out. But uh, my mom just went up to deliver some potable water, some supplies for when Maury's out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can bring up a lot of stuff. And she said the new iteration of the basin was very full. There was so much that she ran out of storage for That's it. awesome. Yeah, she took a picture. It just looks like a little reservoir. It looks like a pond Two in a way that it didn't before. adorable little bean-shaped pods. Yeah, yeah. Ponds of water. Yeah. So that's 
that's about it, I guess, for now. We have a lot to do in the next few weeks between the yurt and the floor and my podcast and my new job and Maury's visit. So we're going to get back to you in maybe our normal two weeks. Maybe it'll be three weeks. We got to take just a little baby break here, I think, and figure out how we're going to we're going to really spring into spring, you know, got to take this moment and and do what needs to be done before we can talk about what was done, you know? Yeah, we'll keep you posted. But we definitely will be back because we have to talk about this yurt once it arrives. That's going to be super exciting. Never set up a yurt before, and then we'll have a yurt. (laughs) And so don't worry, we are not disappearing forever. We are definitely going to be back with yurt news. We just got to do some stuff first, and then we'll tell you about the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, so for the next couple to a few weeks. Yeah, get a book or something. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk to you in a little while. Don't take any wooden nickels. Don't take any wooden nickels and look out for poison oak. Always. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Sorry, I didn't know we were going.